This episode is powered by Safety FM. The Crucial Talks Podcast with your host, Mike Saddam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Saddam. If you need anything from me, please visit crucialtalks.com. And if you could do me a quick favor, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us grow the audience, and I'd really appreciate it. Now, in the past, we've talked a lot about communication. Now, we've talked about communication because people are social storytellers. And communication is how we create reality with each other. We've even discussed topics like how communication can help build resilience and reduce trauma. Now, the critical nature of communication is why today's guest is so interesting. Cynthia Jai is the author of the book, Influence Through Voice. Harness the power of your voice to gain respect, establish authority, and leave an impact. Cynthia is also a keynote speaker, trainer, and this is the cool part, she's a voice coach. This is something we haven't hit on the Crucial Talks podcast until today. Voice is such an important part of communication. It's a tool we use, but few of us get training on how to use it. So without further ado, let's welcome Cynthia Jai to the Crucial Talks podcast. How are you doing today, Cynthia? Very good. Thank you, Mike. Well, as we get started, can you tell us a little bit about you and your journey to becoming a voice coach and writing this book? Because it seems like there really aren't a lot of voice coaches out there. We don't come across them very much. So I think it's interesting to note how you got to this place where you're able to help people with their voice and with that portion of communication. Sure. Yeah, so you are right that worldwide, uh, the number of voice coaches is very limited. And uh, so how I got into this was, you know, the saying that we teach what we wanted to learn or needed to learn the most. So for me, that voice was one of the areas that I needed to learn the most. Even though, you know, when I was young, I was uh, in singing and also in college, I even uh, learned with voiceover artists to do a school radio station. But still that when I joined the workforce, I was not able to speak up. I was not able to be heard. And uh, also, I was not assertive. So that's where I started to go on a journey where I learned all kinds of ways to improve myself. And from there, that's where I learned even more about voice. And that's where I found not only that my voice was changed, but also that the confidence I had in myself was growing tremendously. So there, if it was from there that it grew this, uh, it planted this seed. But I didn't know that this could become a career until that in my last job in corporate and someone was asking me, they said, oh, uh, Cynthia, you have a deep voice. <laughs> How do we develop a deep voice? <laughs> so that's where I noticed, I said, oh, okay, it looks like this is something people are looking for. And uh, so once I decided to start on my own business about 10 years ago, and voice became the area that I focus on. Well, it seems pretty interesting, and I love what you said earlier, and I want to hit on it real quick, because you said that we, we learn or we develop skills in places that we feel we need to improve or that we need to learn the most from. What I found really interesting 
is that you thought that you were not able to be heard, that you were not assertive. Yes. Wanted to learn ways to improve yourself. And what's really interesting is you focused on voice, but with that, with that technique, with learning more about voice, it came with other benefits. It didn't just mean you developed a deeper, more powerful voice, more authoritative voice, but it actually changed your mindset. Yes. Yes. Because, yeah, then that's for sure. Because when we are working on the voice, we are working on the body, and we know that body and mind are one. Most people, when they want to become more confident, more powerful, they work on the mindset. And then the way they sound, the way they walk, the way they carry themselves will be different. Well, for my work is the other way around, which is we work on the body, which is the voice. When we work on the voice, it will change the way how we feel about ourselves. Well, I find that really, really, really interesting because I do think a lot of people, they develop the mind first and the other stuff comes along. But really what I find interesting is that you, you focused on verbal communication as the starting point. And from there, these other things are built. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen a few people that work on body language and that changes things. So I really, I really, really find it interesting that there is this, this correlation between how we carry ourselves, what our mindset is, and our voice. So when you're talking about voice, what are some of the things people need to focus on? I mean, we use our voices all the time, mm-hmm. but yes. are we using them the most effective way we can? <laughs> I would say that for most people, they are not using the most effective way they can. And uh, so the reason is because, you know, by default, as we, as we grow uh, from, from a toddler to adults, that as we grow, we are actually adopting all kinds of bad habits, like the bad habits of breathing, breathing shallowly for most people, and uh, bad habits of having tension in the body. And uh, so all these bad habits, they are actually preventing you from projecting the best voice. And that's what I do with people, which is we are, for example, releasing the tension. We relearn how to breathe properly. And by doing all these in that, in that way, that their voice will be more powerful, more confident. At the same time, uh, for example, some people, they may speak with a soft voice. And some people, their voice pitch is too high. Some, their voice is uh, not having this kind of so-called gravitas. So it's all those things that we're developing by working on the body, releasing the tension, breathing properly, and also using more of the body to generate resonance, which is also uh, vibration, to generate more resonance, more vibration in the body. That's where their voice will become stronger uh, with the optimum pitch. And also that they will also be able to um, project more authority. So that's how the entire kind of process we do on the voice. Well, so what is this notion of gravitas? I've heard it before. I've looked into it before. But people that are hearing it, what is gravitas? And why is that important to communication, to voice? And how does that affect maybe how people see us or how people interact with us? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So if you... You know, if you look at the dictionary, it will tell you uh, the simple definition is the seriousness. So gravitas is the seriousness. But in terms of the voice, is a type of quality that when people hear that in the voice, they feel, wow, this person has presence. 
this person is very authoritative. This person is very capable. So that's um, what we mean, the gravitas in the voice. Well, and so let me ask you this. You've dealt with a lot of companies. You've given keynote speeches. You've helped people with this voice. Now, some people may be thinking, okay, she's talking to us about a way to project your voice, a way to use your voice, and you're using terms such as presence, authoritative, capable. And the question I have is, when it comes to speaking in this way, can you remain a caring and compassionate person, or can you maintain that view that you're caring and compassionate but still have that authoritative voice to you? I mean, can is, is there a problem with using an authoritative voice and not maintaining that compassionate leader, um, you know, that, that characteristic that we want our leaders to have? Yeah, that's uh, the concern is understandable. I do get uh, questions like that from my clients. So I always ask them because the, the other thing is that one of the voices my male clients wanted the most is a voice that sounds like Morgan Freeman's. So when I asked them, I said, okay, why do you like Morgan Freeman's voice? So they will always tell me that his voice sounds very authoritative, very credible. But at the same time, it's also very pleasant, very humble. Um, there is compassion in his voice. So his voice is a very good example of what we, what we uh, say, that a voice has gravitas, a voice has authority, but at the same time, it still has uh, compassion, still shows this caring in your voice. And when I'm hearing you talk, I'm kind of imagining, I mean, I think in math a lot for some reason. I think in graphs and charts and that sort of thing when I'm picturing stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I'm thinking about what you're saying, I'm almost picturing a like a bell curve where on one end, you may have a soft voice. Or you may have a, a high pitch or there may be something that doesn't give you that, that authoritative sound. Mm -hmm. But on the other end, you may be too authoritative, too too forceful, too, I don't know, too top down, too heavy on the voice. But it seems like what you're saying is there is this really great golden mean in the middle mm -hmm. where you not only have the authority and you're not only projecting confidence, but you're maintaining that compassion and that team membership and that group membership that people want to hear from their leaders or from their peers where they're yes. not being talked down to. Mm, yes, yes. And then that, um, or you can also say that that balance point is achieved by you really work on the physical body. That is the physical side of the voice because voice itself is very physical. So when we started to work on that physical side of your voice, that's where you will achieve that balance point where you can be authoritative. At the same time, your voice is still sounding, can, can still sound very uh, caring, very compassionate. Well, so if we're talking about working on the physical side of voice, I mean, I'm picturing it like people that go to the gym, you want to mm -hmm. work on strength of body, so, or your cardio or something like that, so you can run farther. So yes. depending upon what you want to work on depends on the exercises you do. So what kind of things can we work on to work on our voices, to try to get in this golden mean, this area where we have a, a more projective voice or a voice that projects the way we want people to see us. What are some of the things we can do 
to work on those, to harness that tool, to sharpen that knife, to do something that will help us develop that voice? What are some exercises or some techniques we can use? Yes, sure. So one thing that they need to know is the best voice, the authoritative at the same time is very compassionate voice comes from the most relaxed body. So the very first thing uh, they, they will need to do is to observe the tension, where they have the tension, and then learn to release them. So one of the quickest exercises that they can do to help them uh, release the tension, especially when they are stressed, is very simple. It's just to make a sigh, like we do, just like this. Well, and so you make that sigh, and, mm. and I like what you're telling us because you're saying that one, we have to observe the tension. And this yes. goes along with a lot of things other people have said, not only about individuals, but about organizations that it, they have to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that first step is really understanding your own tension, your own stress. Because if you're telling me that the best voice comes from a relaxed body, Mm-hmm. We need to understand when we're stressed and how we're stressed and where that tension is. And you gave the example that you need to to give out the sigh or to release that tension where a lot of people, when they have to have the most authoritative voice, when they have to show the most confidence, also happens to be when they might have the most stress, a meeting, a presentation, a difficult discussion with an employee, a difficult discussion with a peer. Mm -hmm. These times when we have a lot of stress are the times we need that voice. And what you're saying is this, this exercise helps ground us and helps reduce that tension. So we have to be aware when that tension builds. Is that what you see with your clients? Uh, That's, um, so the sighing is more about to help them release the tension at that moment. But because we are, as, we, as long as we're human beings, we will be having stress, we'll be having uh, tension all the time. So that's why when we are talking about relaxation, one is physical relaxation. And the, uh, on the other hand is also that the mental relaxation. So for example, some of my clients, they are uh, always very tense in their mind all the time. So not only working on the physical tension, but at the same time, we'll also work on the mindset to release those tension. So, and how do you work on the mindset? Because that's pretty powerful. I mean, mm. we're, we're working on our voice. We want to have this more powerful voice in what we do. Yes. And I get the physical. That's easy. We can mm. tell people and show people and they can practice a lot how to do the sigh or how to release the, the tension. Yes. How do they quiet their mind or how do they relax their mind to be ready to speak? Mm, okay. So, um, for example, let's use the public speaking as an example. Uh, for public speaking, most people and most of my clients, when they are nervous, uh, one of the, actually, we, the first thing that we do is to really drill down to see that what is it that they're really nervous about. And when we drill down deep, then we realize it could, it is most likely is, oh, I'm afraid that uh, when I say something, people will not respond, or I'm afraid that people will judge me. I'm afraid that I will look bad. So all these actually drill down to the fear that they have. Some is fear of, uh, fear of failure. Some is fear of judgment. So the first step is we, we realize what the fear is really about. 
So once we, so usually I will talk with them. So once we talk, then we realize, oh, this is the fear. So one of the things that now they realize this fear, this fear is not just going to go away immediately. But the good thing is we have created this awareness. And then, so with this awareness, uh, one of the things they're going to do is to journal. So for example, some of my clients, next week they're going to have a presentation. And then this whole week starting, sometimes this whole month, they will start to become nervous already. And uh, so I asked them to do journaling every day and write down uh, three columns. The first column is all the fear they have. Uh, for example, the fear could be, oh, I'm afraid that I'm going to forget. I'm afraid, blah, blah, blah. So it's all kind of fear they have right down on the first column um, because the fear in our mind needs to get out of the mind, needs to be acknowledged. So that's the first column that they need, they need to write. Now, acknowledging fear, what does that actually do for us? Ah, okay. Because, you know, most of the times when we are fearful, we never took a second to think about and pause to jump out of that fear. And by jumping out of that fear to acknowledge it, that actually helps you to disassociate yourself from that fear. And that's how uh, journaling will help you. First is you acknowledge the fear. It will help you acknowledge it instead of fear is running in your mind and fear is running you. So now you must run the fear. And to run the fear, first you need to acknowledge them. And once you acknowledge them, you write them down, it also helps you to see, oh, okay, what is it that I am really fearful about? All these things that is actually created by this fear. So that gives them a big revelation. So that first column is the fear they have. Yes. And it helps them acknowledge it. But then now what do they do? What's, that, yes. what's the next column? Uh, so once they write on the fear, now they have the fear. And the second thing is, okay, so how are we going to uh, shift make the shift. So for example, if I, I'm fearful that people are going to judge me. So the second column is that, okay, I see this fear. The second column is, okay, how do, what do I do with it? What do I do with it? doesn't mean that it's a big jump. Uh, so some of my clients will say, oh, what I do with it is I'm just going to tell myself, uh, don't care about their judgment, but that's not how our mind works. Our mind is like a baby. We need to lead this baby, take baby steps. So the first step is not that, oh, I'm not going to care about judgment anymore. So the first, second column we write is, okay, what's the first baby step that I can take? The first baby step could be, okay, uh, people, uh, people are going to judge me, but I am not there to be fearful about what they're going to judge me. I am there to deliver an important message. So it sounds like, one of the like these baby steps, what I really like about what you said is you're you're looking at a way to impact the fear you have. And I love what you said because what you're saying is that first column acknowledges the fear. Mm-hmm. The second column is a baby step, but the example you gave is so powerful because what you're doing is you're saying, okay, in column one, fear, you're looking at it through this one particular lens. Yes. Column two changes that lens. And the example you gave is so powerful because you went from viewing this as a negative mm-hmm. to putting a positive spin. You went from saying, I'm not there for people to judge me. I'm there to deliver a powerful message. And really all you did was, was really tell yourself, 
to take off that lens of fear, take off that view that people are there to judge you and put on a different lens where you're there for a positive purpose. I really like that example because of that. So if we're going to take these baby steps in the second column, then what is that third column? Uh, the third column, now that you you are there to deliver this uh, powerful message, the third column is that you are going to imagine that yourself standing and deliver that message. And so the third column is the uh, what I call the anticipation, which is actually more about you visualize yourself standing there and deliver that powerful message. So when we're delivering the message, when the voice is actually now, it's time, it's game time, it's time to speak, it's time for the voice to come out. Yes. We're nervous, we may have done the sigh before we get up on stage or before we have the conversation. Mm-hmm. When we're actually speaking, yes. what kind of techniques are there? And I know this stuff takes practice. You can't just tell us on a, a short episode of a podcast, all of a sudden we're going to be Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the things that you teach during the actual active act of projecting your voice that helps people, helps people resonate, helps people have that more powerful voice? Mm-hmm. Um, the powerful voice is really that every step that you, they need to learn about voice projection, they need to make every step a habit. So that's uh, the first big premise, that once they become a habit, then when they stand in front of the group, they don't need to think about their voice. But at this moment, if they have not made every step a habit, what they can do, uh, what I would always ask my clients to do is, when you are standing in front of the group, you feel nervous, don't take another breath in. That's a very common mistake, that people take another breath in. Instead, because you are so nervous, actually you have a lot of tension in your body. Instead, you are going to breathe out first. So when you stand in front of the group, if you feel nervous, force yourself to breathe out. So you force yourself to breathe out and then... You will, uh, yes, and then you will automatically take a breath in. And with that breath in, then you can speak. And what does that do to us? I mean, what does that, how does that impact our voice? So we, mm. we breathe out, we force ourselves to breathe out, then we breathe in. And where is that voice coming from? I mean, where, why does that impact us so much? And why is that a good way for us to begin either the presentation or the conversation we're going to have? Okay. Yes. So first of all, is that when you are nervous, there is this residue of breath in your body. And this is very tense. This is, this residue of breath is actually making your body tense. At the same time, most people, when they're nervous, they tend to hold their breath. And when they're holding the breath, that made the voice even worse. So that's why we let the breath go out first. So release the breath first, release the tension first. Then you take another breath in. So this time, this breath will be much more uh, pure, much more uh, relaxed. That's where you can use this inhalation to speak. What do you see as some of the problems people are having that, comes out when they don't breathe right or when they're when they are trying to speak and they're nervous but they don't do anything about it what are the issues that you that you see with that and what can people do to stop speaking so fast to catch themselves 
when that's happening, or if they're in the middle of a of a speech and they they feel that that voice is too quick, it's too high pitched, it doesn't sound authoritative or doesn't sound confident, it does sound nervous, and that's coming across. What can people do when they're already going down the road? They're already speaking. They're already nervous. They, they're now they're hearing themselves and they know their voice isn't what they want it to be. Does this technique also work in the middle of your speech or in the middle of the conversation? What can you do when you start hearing yourself not sounding confident or not projecting yourself the way you want to be projected? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So in the middle of your speech, that's also something you can do. So you can quickly take a pause uh, when it's appropriate. For example, if you are saying saying something, let's say you are saying a sentence, this is very important. And if you say this is very important, then you realize that you are either holding the breath or your voice is having some problems. Then you can, after the sentence, you can take a quick breath out. So you can say this is very important and then take a breath out. And then you can continue speaking. So in between these two sentences that I just demonstrated, I was breathing out and then I took another breath in. So you see, it was not very long. So when we're talking about voice and we're talking about how we use our voice, what it sounds like you're saying is it's, it is important what we're saying, obviously, but it's also important how we say it and how people take us really isn't just the words we say. We can have the most eloquent speech written down and practiced, but if it doesn't get projected, if it doesn't come out the right way, then people can actually get a different message from that conversation or from that presentation based on our voice alone, even though the words might be the same. Yes, um, because this is really this is also being backed up by many researchers. So many researchers have shown that um, the message, if we deliver the same message, but one person is delivering it with a more powerful voice, with a voice that has more gravitas, they actually tend to want us to get the message across more effectively. And then also at the same time that people will see them as more uh, capable, as more confident. So that's, um, it is true. And also it is being proven in many researches. Now, we've talked about giving a presentation, talking in front of a group, and that sounds to me like one-way communication. We're trying to deliver a message. But now, let's change gears just a little bit as we wrap up the episode, because a lot of the people listening, they have to have one-on-one conversations with people. Sometimes it's a supervisor and a worker. Sometimes it's two peers that have to discuss something and collaborate. Sometimes it's like a safety officer and a worker that have to have a difficult conversation. Sometimes it's a employee that has to talk to the boss. And these one-on-one conversations require a certain level of gravitas. In my opinion, they require a certain level of communication that is different than the big presentation where you're delivering it one way. What are some tips we can use when we're having these difficult two-way conversations, whether it's peer-to-peer, whether it's supervisor to employee, whether it's going up an employee to the boss, mm-hmm. what are some tips we can use that can help us with these difficult conversations we have that, that really happen daily? One is that, first of all, is to get the intention right. So I had a client, uh, she was delivering a 
kind of a difficult message to her employee. And uh, so she, her intention was not very clear. And then in the end, she felt that she didn't feel the courage or the right attitude that she, she had in delivering that message. And then in the end, the employee didn't get the message. So first of all, it, it is actually not really much about voice. The first thing is you want to get the intention right. So what is your intention? So for her is, for my client, the intention is to get the message across at the same time also to let the, let the uh, employee know that um, she, she was not criticizing him. She was just to trying to help him get the work done more effectively. So first, of, that's the first thing, uh, get the intention right. And then, then we can talk about the voice. For example, if your intention is to let the, let the employee know that you are not criticizing them, then you're not going to use um, what I call the, the so-called harsh, harsh or forceful voice. So if you say, uh, um, I hope you can understand, we don't say, I hope you can understand. If you are saying it in that way, you are using a lot of breath. When you are using a lot of breath to deliver that message, it will come across as you are very angry. You are criticizing this person. So instead, if you want them to feel that you understand them, you want to use a little bit less breath. So you become, oh, I understand you. So that's the second thing is uh, based on the intention, you decide how you are going to use the breath um, because breath is one of the key things that determines the different effects your voice can create. Well, so it sounds like when we're having these conversations, and I know I've been guilty of it before also, that how people receive us is based a lot on how we actually use our voice. And that miscommunication, even though I may say the same words, that miscommunication can really have a detrimental effect and can actually do the opposite of what we wanted to do. Yes, yes. So a lot of my clients, they came to me, they said, uh, I, I don't feel that I sound aggressive, but people around me telling me that I sound aggressive. <laughs> so that's why the first thing I always ask my clients to do is to record their daily conversations. Well, and so they, and again, this is going to come from a place of where I've had experience with employees before, and I've had experience in workplaces before, Recording daily conversations can be a difficult topic because sometimes you're not allowed to do that. Mm. So what would you say for people that are like, look, I got to have these conversations with people, but if I record them, that's a problem when we go to employee rights and all that. What (laughs) other techniques do you have that we can practice our voice? I mean, should we, should we talk to ourselves? Should we sit down and imagine having this conversation and record it? I mean, these are nice Um, little tips people can use. So, yeah, I do have uh, clients saying the same concern. They say, oh, we, we need to get their consent to record it. So I, I would recommend one is that you record uh, you speaking over the phone because when you are recording yourself speaking over the phone, the recording can only pick up your own voice. So that's one way. And then the other one is uh, they can, uh, they can uh, kind of doing the role play uh, before the meeting and recording the role play. The other one is they can also record their conversations at home. Well, it sounds like that's kind of powerful because I know even when I listen to myself on this podcast, if I listen to an episode with a guest like yourself where I'm getting some real value out of it. Sometimes I listen to them because I forgot what they have said and, and it was mm-hmm. really valuable. 
I know even hearing my own voice, I'm like, ugh, that's out. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> if you find that with people that they are listening to their voice and they're just, they yes. just don't like the way they sound, or they may even take the way they sound completely differently than somebody else. Like somebody may think they sound great, that they have a wonderful voice, but mm-hmm. they hear themselves and they're like, oh no, I can't believe I sound that way. Yeah. How do they, how do you get your clients beyond that, that imposter syndrome where they think I just don't sound good? How do you get them beyond that? How do you change that mindset and give them that positive outlook on how they actually sound? I always tell them, first of all, that the recorded voice is how others hearing you. So if you want to improve the impression that you have on others when you are speaking, you want to record yourself often and listen to that voice. That recorded voice um, is different from the voice you hear in your head when you are speaking. But... The fact is that that's how others hear you. So you need to uh, know that how others hear you. And sometimes I also joke with them. I said, if you are having trouble hearing yourself, imagine everyone around you, they are hearing that this voice every day. I think that's a great point you just made that they are hearing us every day. They're seeing us every day. And I think that's a great point you made because the voice we use with everybody, whether depending upon the role we're in, we may be the boss, we may be the spouse. We may be the friend, but the that voice really has a, a lot of impact on the identity that we have and the role we're playing at the time. And if we have a mismatch of that, if we bring our boss voice home and use it with our family, mm. that could create tension. That could create conflict because we're using almost the wrong voice for the situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, yeah. And also that when we develop the voice, uh, which is to work on the body, it develops the proper breathing, more relaxed, more resonance. And that's where when my clients would fall in love with their new voice, when they recorded their developed voice, they say, I like this voice. And many of them, they were sharing their recorded, new recorded voice with many other people as well. So you can uh, fall in love with your voice once you develop it. Well, I love that, that, the picture you just painted because really what it comes down to is that we spent so much time developing our knowledge, developing our education, people develop their bodies, but there does seem to be this vacuum of people developing their voice, which is such a huge part of relationships and a huge part of human-based systems and how we get work done that it seems like this void really needs to be filled. And I'm, I'm really really appreciative that you came onto the show to talk to us about it because it's one area where we were missing a little bit of information Mm. on the podcast. We've talked to people about listening. We've talked to people about the importance of communication and communication technique and tactics, Mm -hmm. but voice that, that notion that we need to use our voice in the appropriate way is really important. So I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Sure. So that, That is my mission because I know in the world that we're not paying much attention to the speaking voice. So that's why that as the more I do my work, the more I take it on on as a mission to help educate more people to realize and develop the power of the voice. Well, Cynthia, I really wanted to thank you for coming on. I mean, we've covered some really great topics here. We've talked about the fact that if you start working on your voice, mindset can come with that. 
body language can come with that. And I love the fact that you started with voice as a way to affect those other things rather than having voice just be impacted after the fact. We've talked about the fact that we have techniques we can use to, to relax and that relaxation helps us with the voice. We've talked about ways we can improve public speaking, that one-way communication where we're trying to deliver a powerful message. But we also covered ways we can deal with one-on-one conversations. And you gave us this great tip of how we can deal with issues that we might have through really writing those three columns, what we're afraid of, another way to think about it, how we can deal with it, that was a great tool we can use. So with all of this stuff we talked about, I know we're, we're barely scratching the surface. If people want to get more information, besides your book, Influence Through Voice, what other ways can you help people? How can they get in touch with you? What, what services do you offer for people listening right now that would like to contact you to get more information? Sure. So um, I would recommend them a few places. One is that they can uh, get my three-part free video lessons because that's where I break down all the steps for them to let them see that where they have the potential that they can develop. Uh, so the three-part video lesson, they can get it as bit.ly bit, uh, forward slash voice crash course. So that's one, uh, the three-part video lessons. And then the other one is they can go to my YouTube channel. I have, um, so now I lost count. I think it's about maybe 150, more than 150 videos on YouTube. And that's where they will get uh, the short two to three minutes uh, video lessons to learn how to develop their voice. And of course, my website uh, where they can find um, articles, they can find my upcoming events. Well, great. So I will put links to all those in the show notes, including a link to your book. And Cynthia, I just really wanted to thank you for coming on the Crucial Talks podcast. It's been really an interesting conversation and I I learned a lot from it. I'm going to check out the YouTube videos, the website, the book, all of that great stuff. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. So really, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, everybody, if you enjoyed that conversation and got value out of it, just like I did, please share the podcast with your friends, with your coworkers, anybody that might be able to gain some value from it. And if you get a chance, please rate it and review the podcast. That really helps. If you need anything from me, please feel free to reach out to me by visiting crucialtalks.com or connecting with me via email, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever is easiest for you. Have a great week, and remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Please review, share, and subscribe to the Crucial Talks podcast. Visit CrucialTalks.com.